Hey, everyone, and welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live broadcast brought to you here by Frontline Gaming. We are your hosts, Kicker, the Chief of Serial, and Sigilite of the FLG. And I'm Seth the Mad Doc, your competitive correspondent. Kicker, bud, how you been doing? Seth, I am doing amazing. I got to play some guard this weekend. I kicked butt round one and it made me really, really happy, but the following rounds were not as uh, successful. I, I think guard, mm. you know, that first round of fire, you can do a lot of damage. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I did get to paint quite a few minis. Can we show my hobby progress here? Can we pull that on in? There we go. That's some Dude, fancy hobby. Guys, if you're your listening progress. to our if you are listening to our podcast, you should be watching live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you get these cool vigil elements here. You get to be part of chat and help make the face of 40k. Oh, there we go. Look at that. Is that not gorgeous? Not really. It's, it's kind of crappy. I'm, I'm actually Is that a red bearded Bulgren. Yeah, that's my bodyguard there. Yeah, I'm oh, not really like that it. good at painting. I'm trying to like just speed paint all this stuff really fast. Speed paint, not trademark. I'm just talking about like quickly paint them, not use necessarily speed paint from Army Painter. I'm just painting them very, very quickly to get them table side as fast as possible. Uh, and that, yes, that's my ogre bodyguard. Seth, though, I know you have been uh, sticking to the original challenge that we set forth for ourselves. I did do a little hobbying over the holiday break. Yeah. Um, so I cleared. Uh, all of my bikes, uh, my pioneers, competed uh, both sets of characters, the uh, Hall and the Four Master, yeah. and then a few random, uh, like just uh, warriors I still need to finish up. I finished both of the Hecatons. Oh, dude. And that means kicker. Now <laughs> I have completed my 2000 point army. And, and so which I means I have completed the first 2000 points of votan on the show you and look at it and it's glorious beauty it is gorgeous you are the votan master uh yeah. seth uh, i bow down and respect you on this on this night uh very very impressive seth you did an entire 2000 point army beautifully painted folks in in how many how many weeks was this let's just let's, let's be fair like it was like two uh, months so like eight weeks five at yeah. least like very um, impressive yeah. man very very impressive so kudos but i i you. will kelsey points out that my Ultimate plan guard. Yeah, I mean, um, they, boom, they came dude. in and Seth, you, you timed it perfectly by by you releasing the guard right at this exact moment in time. Stalled me up completely, yeah, and totally, I and I can't that. stop mm -hmm. painting guard right now. So, Call me baby, well done, Seth. Well done. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, why don't you listen to the industry news? All right. We're going to go through this pretty quickly because we have a very special guest for you guys tonight. So let's just jump right into it. We have the Battle Force boxes. These are both Age of Sigmar and 40K. They are hitting the shelves in the very near future, next week, following week, going up for pre order. Um, basically, they're really, really, really good if you're starting from scratch with an army. But if you're yeah. already a Death Guard player, you probably don't want to pick up the box set with Mortarion because you don't need two of those guys. So it's a weird concept because usually the Battle Force boxes are really good additions for you to really biggie size your army or really you know add some extra units. But this year, it seems like literally for almost all of them, they're more of kind of just a like a starter army as opposed to just adding on to your your, your favorite, you know, longtime favorite army. Seth, what do you think? Have you Have you seen any one of those boxes that you have to get? Um, have to get no, because I, I'm pretty well set for the armies I play, but yeah. I, I kind of counter the point that they're not good if you already own the army, because the, the discount, just like from GW price regard, uh, disregarding any discounts you get from certain retailers, like, I don't know, from a gaming, yeah. um, 
but uh, they're usually about like a 30% discount on the models in the box. Yeah. And so if you bought one of those boxes and maybe you didn't need the Belisarius call, you could always sell that separately on the secondhand market. You could, you could. And, and you're still probably going to come out ahead rather than buying all of those kits individually. So yeah. I always think if like uh, there's some people I know that play the, the 40K stock market, if you will. <laughs> And these these types of boxes are usually good ideas to get in on if you intend to go like if you did want to go do a night army that's great to have sitting around if you want to yep. go do thousand suns that's great to have sitting around. I mean, Seth, if yeah, if you're going to start you know splitting these boxes up, yeah, totally. Those are definitely an investment. Then, so, like, no and, doubt. About and that. you you know you can split it up. You know, you can sell online, but of course, if you're like, hey, I got a friend kicker. Uh, both have the same army, and yeah. he needs the character, and I need the rest of the stuff. You can go in on them. So I think it's a it's a pretty good idea. I like these box sets. These these box sets are always exciting to see what comes out if they're gonna get you know. Um, a few years ago, I remember the one, the orc one that I really liked was a bunch of killer cans, some death yeah. cards, and uh, a, a big mech with shock attack gun. So I always like these boxes. They're always good deals. I personally think the iron or not the iron hands, the imperial fist one yes. here. Um, disregarding imperial fist as a, a faction <laughs> the actual model content on that one is actually really good because it's a ton of like the uh heavy intercessors and aggressors so you can yeah. make it really that's my favorite box to set seth yeah. as well and those space marines never go out of fashion the yeah. thing that you guys got to remember is that when these sell out they sell out this is not something yeah. that's gonna keep this is stock, a limited know, so. run i yeah. know uh retailers are already having to get their 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 allocations ordered so um if you're interested in them i think when did pre-orders go up kicker uh, I think Age of Sigmar already went up and 40K are going up or uh, 40K are going up. Uh, this yeah, so, so be looking Saturday for the pre-orders, right? Yeah. Uh, something like that. Seth, yeah. I got to ask you because this is a perfect opportunity in chat. Please, you know, weigh in. I'm really curious. I got an email today and because we were talking about, you know, Imperial Fist at the LVO. Uh, you know, if a guy's playing Ultramarines, but his entire army is painted Blood Angels Red. Uh, what are your thoughts? You know, I'm not the judge. I'm going to let the judges make the call. But I'm just curious, Seth. What is you? Will that? Will that? You, a veteran competitive player, Seth, is that going to trip you up? Are you going to be going into that game thinking, "Oh, I'm playing Blood Angels when everything else is Ultramarines"? Or does that bother you at all? I wouldn't think so. Um, the main thing, and and the reason I say this is, um, if I was playing my orcs kicker yeah. and they were painted with black armor versus red armor, that's not going to significantly change how you you know yeah, view army. my yeah. army it's all orcs um, to me yeah. yeah and so a lot space marines is like the only faction that we do this with like never have i heard someone been like your bl tan army is not painted exactly in the yeah. scheme and and try to tell you, you can't play bl tan rules now i understand uh, not that you can do this in ninth edition in uh, wars on nephilim but if you had two detachments that were different chapters of i course. could understand if it's yeah. all painted one color, that's really confusing. But with one sub-faction rule for uh, this, then I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's really fair to hold the Space Marines to a different standard because they're just the poster boys. They should be able to have the same kind of flexibility. I think that if you want to play red, you know, red, <laughs> red Ultramarines, that's yeah. that's okay. But once again, guys, I am not the judge. Look for all those fun answers in the formal posting by the judges that is linked to the player packet at LVO and each one of our competitive events. Seth, we got something else coming out. I got a What's really it? sweet box from War Cry, uh, from from GW. They sent it to me. The, my wonderful friends there. This is the brand new Warcry box set, Sundered Fate. Guys, 
I don't play Warcry, but I'll say this is the first box that they, you know, of Warcry that like, like I'm in, like it's gorgeous. This is by far the best Warcry box I've seen. It's got the chameleon skinks, which, you know, you, you yeah, gotta yeah, love, man. Yeah. It got yeah. chameleon skinks and three pterodactyls and then some weird like rock, rock obsessed mm-hmm. dudes, some sort of cultists that like rocks. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but the models in this box and the terrain for this box is by far the best Warcry one out yet. So that is going up for pre-order this weekend. Uh, no, it went up for pre-order last weekend, so now it's time to go and pick it up this weekend. Yep. So yeah. And if I remember correctly, we were actually talking pre-show that they have a uh, Warband Builder app now out for it yeah. to kind of help supplement those getting into that particular game yep. system. And for those of you not in the know, Warcry is basically kill team for Age of Sigmar. Uh, and actually, people say it has like- a lot of bespoke factions that you don't see in the main Age of Sigmar, yeah, yeah. like lines. And I'm, 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 I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you can use the Underworlds groups in Warcry. They're trying to make that crossover a thing. I know that the Warcom guys yeah, are trying to explain that to me. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a thing that they're either doing or already have done. But uh the Warcry, you're right, the Warcry squads or, or tribes or, or whatever, you know, armies are pretty uh bespoke to Warcry and they are gorgeous. They are like yeah. you're taking the aesthetic of Age of Sigmar that you already know and love and making it even cooler. Um, Seth, then we've got one other thing that I kind of wanted to mention that I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been paying close attention to this. It seems like GW is finally starting to release a bunch of the minis that originally were only in those box sets. Yeah. So there's a really cool Zinch character that came out and finally you can get them on his own. So I know a lot of people like see these big box sets with that, you know, cool, unique mini and that sometimes takes a long time, but those minis are finally starting to hit the shelves as standalone items. Yeah, they've done that for years. I can actually remember there was an orc model called Gruck Face Ripper that you could only get in this like combination orc and space wolf box. And um, now he's like sold in a separate box with some knobs. So GW does that. So if you if you missed out uh, when that thing was released, whatever you're looking for, they're starting to get uh, caught back up with releasing a lot of those. So, But, but the exciting thing, though, Seth, is you don't have to wait years. It looks like it's literally going down to a few months. Like I've, I've been oh, trying to like keep close. Like, so the, 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 the wait time is less and less and less for those individual yeah. kits. Uh, Seth, you know, we got to do Jank of the Week. Got to do Jank of the Week, man. Jank of the Week. I got you, it. This is our I hear you got little, it this week. What is it? I got it because I played it this weekend and I was like, oh, this is this is kind of weird, but I love it. So in uh, in competitive play, we always try to do our Jank of the Week. And this week, I ran my command squad uh, using the new Astro Militarm Codex. And you can put an Ogre Bodyguard in there. If you run that Ogre Bodyguard with a Slab Shield, he gets, he's getting a two-up armor save. The, the mm-hmm. Bodyguard himself is Toughness 6. You can throw a Medic in there. The Medic there gives him a five up feel no pain so now you have a pretty hardy body in there with a five up feel no pain that is untargetable right um and guess what you can also bring that orgo back to life at least that's the way i'm reading it and i think that's the way most people are reading it is oh, no. if he, <laughs> yes if you do manage to kill them for one cp you just pop them back alive which is really really cool at, at, at the end of your phase um yeah. so anyway is really there a cool role music. like on a four up he comes back or is he no, just, he come just back? comes right back alive dude it's gorgeous and uh i this 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 stupid command squad just tanked a, a, a you know wounds from a possessed in close combat. And I was like, yeah, that felt really really good. So I was able to keep on doing my thing and keeping my warlord alive. Well, uh, I guess you just have to kill the squad in one go. You you got to man, you got to. I mean, <laughs> you know, t- toughness six two up. You know, armor save five up. Feel no pain. He's, he's a tough little dude. I got it. Don't worry. I got it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about events real fast, guys. LVO is getting bigger and better every single freaking week. Uh, is it? As of this morning, I got confirmation that from uh, from Portugal, Gamers Grass will be attending us. I don't know if you've ever seen Gamers Grass's products, yeah, but they make these really sexy tufts. I think uh, they're, they're actually they're like the ones I use. Choice. Yeah. Yeah. Say what? They're your tuft of choice. They're my tuft of choice. Yes, they are definitely. And and, and I've got kind of like this weird obsession with tufts. Like I'm always looking for the best ones, and they have a huge variety in the quality. Plus the 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 mixture of colors on each individual tuft is really impressive. So really, the the best brand. But they're not so easy to find in the U.S. But they are coming from Portugal. They're going to have a booth there. More importantly, they're going to have a demo area where we can play with all their stuff, okay. and they're going to be providing a shit ton of prize support, but not to the mm -hmm. best generals. It's going to be going to all the other people. Best generals get enough shit already, right? They don't need to get more all stuff. Right, right. So random, you know, it's not just for 40K, it'll be for a range of different game systems, but the non-general award winners, as well as random people throughout the event, will be getting stuff from uh, Gamers Grass. Nice. Yeah, and, and they have this thing. I've never tried it before. Uh, maybe you have, Seth. The Gamers Grass makes laser-cut plants have you have you tried these things like they're really cool La laser cut plants yeah I, i'm not really sure how to no. describe it but basically you get these um plants that you would pop out of a i don't know look it up look it up but they're bringing those and that's part of the thing you'll be able to demo at their booth the the end results look really cool so instead no, of just having a tough, they call them laser they call them they, laser plants they call them which laser sounds plants. a lot more entertaining like <laughs> i'm putting these on my models and they're shooting lasers yeah some sort of like defense mechanism right there right Moving okay forward. like they basically looks like they've cut out like a thin material and then folded it to look like plants. Yeah, and, and it, it looks, looks just like ferns, right? It does. And and it's not like made up stuff. They're like, here's a plantation lily. This is an elephant ear. This is dry bracken. <laughs> it's this like regular bracken. <laughs> my this wife's really big into gardening. Tree. Like these are real plants that she can, yeah. that you can mimic. This so. is agave. Yeah, yeah, they look good. They look real good. So, I think I think these going these with some tufts really kind of like mixes up your your base and yeah. gives you a little bit more uh, variety. I think they yeah. look good. Yeah, I mean, because like, listen, man, we've all used tufts. We all use tufts, and there's a few variations that are pretty unique. But at the end of the day, tufts are nothing new. These laser plants or whatever they are are pretty pretty uh, pretty freaking cool. So I'm curious to see what they look like in person at the LVO. Plus, let's show it right now, uh, Tech Free Sticky. Please, please bring up the LVO 2023 Challenge Coin. We've got the final design done, and we are going to be yeah. There we go. Yeah, every single the original Challenge Coin, the original Frontline Gaming Challenge Coins, the ones who brought it to the competitive world, and it is gorgeous, guys. Seth, you got your Challenge Coins. You've got a whole Challenge Coin collection. Uh, LVO players who come in from around the world will all get a front, their first or, or maybe their second Frontline Gaming Challenge Coin, guys. These coins earn you a lot of perks at the event. Um, they will be going, each person uh, in the 40 key champs, the Age of Sigmar champs, the narratives, the friendlies will be getting these challenge coins. Um, if you are playing some other game systems that aren't part of our Frontline Gaming National Circuit, you know, sadly you, you don't get a coin, but it's it's really for the the, the, the big events that come to each one of our, uh, you know, terms. Kicker, how do you feel about Carnival Games at LVO? Uh, I, I'm game. What do, you, what do you have in mind? Oh, so you know, I was thinking, man, people have all these 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 coins, yeah. And and what could we do to really reward people that that went and got a bunch of coins? What if we did some sort of coin toss game, and you had to toss <laughs> your own coins, and you got certain prizes out of them? I, I'm cool with and, that. You, but then, but then that means your coins are all gone at the end of the season, and you got to go to more events to get more coins. Oh, for yeah. year. The prizes would have to be really good because a lot of people do not want to give up their coins. Like they love these damn things. Um, I mean, it's optional. You don't have to. Is, it is optional, right? Uh, yeah. Seth, you. Well, you have, we'll put a target on Dickie's back 
I think what yeah. just, that sounds good to me. Yeah, on our on our tech piece, I just that yeah. sounds aggressive. Why, Dicky? I you know why not? I I I don't want to go. Ooh, I, or we could you make a vending machine where you put the coins <laughs> in. Sure, we'll make a challenge coin vending machine. Seth, I don't want to go into the crazy details about what we're doing, what the LVO challenge coin perks are. But basically, um, I really was inspired by going to an arcade recently. And you know how you get like tickets at the arcade and you can Mm -hmm. kind of go cash them in for your, your... Sort of like what you're saying, but not a carnival game. Just kind of showing your challenge coins. There fine, will be. Fine. You don't have to have a test of skill to get your prize. You don't have to have a test of skill, right? You just got to show them to us. But basically, the more coins you have, there'll be a, a selection of 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 prizes you can get right then and there. So, so right. it's going to be a lot of fun. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can use like one coin or three coins to try and get your 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 prizes. Anyway, guys, Friday this Friday, uh, probably 11 a.m. But it might be later. Uh, the lock, uh, Rocky Mountain Open tickets will be going on sale, guys. So this is the brand new inaugural event. Uh, this mm-hmm. is the one that you do not want to miss out for. On this is the event that is held just outside Denver in the Adams County Fairgrounds. It is surrounded by the beautiful Colorado scenery. Well, this will be a competitive event. All are invited to join and spend a weekend rolling dice with these awesome peoples. There, this will be a champion, ter- uh, champion sort of, you know. Level there will be champions for 40k, Age of Sigmar, and for Star Wars Legion. That is it, though. We're not doing anything else other than those three events just because it's our first time entering Denver and we wanted to stay conservative and just you know test the waters before we rent a massive, massive space. Uh, and, and this yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, kicker, but this is also because this is a, a fairgrounds, uh, folks are kind of on their own for housing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool actually. So SoCal is a really popular event for us, and that is at a fairground. So we're kind of duplicating that same concept, oh, but in in Colorado, you can, you can get as uh, frugal or as luxurious as you want mm-hmm. with your your housing. You can um, stay at the fairgrounds in one of their RV hookups, or you can go to one of the bougie cool. hotels fifteen minutes away. So you have options. All right, about. what about camping in the woods uh, under a tarp? I mean, you do that, Seth. And it, it, it is March. It's it's cold, Colorado. It's it's cold, but uh, you, you go ahead and you you do that, Seth. I can mm-hmm. respect that. I'm, uh, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> What's really cool about the Rocky Mountain Open is it's the community really driving this event. Both the Star Wars Legion, the Age of Sigmar, and the 40K communities have all come together to really make this happen. So we have boots on the ground there that have scouted out this property. They've scouted out all the bars and the restaurants. On Friday, when this goes live, we'll be creating a nice big post that will kind of share more information. Sorry, about I just have a, I just now have a mental image of Kicker being like, I need you guys to scout out the bars and restaurants. And some guy being like, honey, I got to go drink again tonight. Kicker told me to. <laughs> I mean, people are really committed to the cause. So, you know, they are they're doing their due diligence. They're doing their due diligence. So, yes, guys, this Friday, Rocky Mountain Open, do not miss out. This event is is going to be capped. We don't have unlimited space. So when tickets sell out for this one, we're done. It's All over. Right. So Seth, why don't you help tell us what's going on with the FLG? And I know that uh, our, our friend down in New Zealand is doing something new and, and special. Yep. Yep. Uh, we have the return of <clears throat> Steve Joel uh, with his, it's similar to Game Changers, but a uh, uh, different title. Actually, Tech Priest is going to yell at me because I don't know the title off the top yep. of my head. Can we, can we, production, can you assist us here? Tech Priest. Oh no, he's leaving me hanging. Uh, I know it's Steve Joel presents. Let me let me go look. I I just you want to know the thing? I was just listening to it this Steve afternoon. Joel's World of Forty K. He's it's it's really solid stuff. It's basically yeah. Steve Joel interviewing guests, kind of like he did at Game Changers. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they necessarily have to be people on like as the biz. I don't know. I, I maybe they're not. They, they're not. Don't necessarily have to be game changers. Yes, they're just people 
yeah. really influential or dedicated to a certain element of the hobby. Everyone loves listening to Steve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His voice is like smooth butter. Um, and then Grim After Dark had a very strange episode. They talked about Warhammer Fantasy with Adam Camilleri for the entire time. And I am pissed off that they did that because not only did that episode kind of completely go on a tangent, which is fine, whatever, you can do that. But this week, I got about four or five different emails from people saying, are we playing Warhammer Fantasy at LVO? I'm like, not that I'm aware of. Like, I don't have a Warhammer Fantasy uh, TO at this point. Um, so, so yeah. Well, really I, has, I'm, you don't, I'm going to tell you right now, kicker, you do not want to do fantasy at LVO because you will lose Val. <laughs> he will not do anything of value that weekend. He will just go and play fantasy. <laughs> There'll be no director there for the FLGN. He's just over no, there. He playing. will just, he will just disappear. Like if he does any sort of coverage, it'll just be on fantasy. That is it. Yeah. So this is why we do not have Warhammer Fantasy yeah. at So LVO. unfortunately, because of Val's addictions, we cannot have fantasy at <laughs> LVO. There. All right. Uh, but, Seth, we have a very important guest that we're bringing we do. in today. Yes. We do. I would like to bring in today uh, Jeremy, a.k.a. Curie, of Stat Check fame. Now, some of you may be familiar with Stat Check, um, and this is kind of the man behind the scenes. He's the engine that makes it run. He mines all that data. Howdy, Curie. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good to be here. Well, before we get into the meat of this uh, wonderful conversation, Josh, no, it's Jeremy, sorry. <laughs> just reading my notes, Jeremy Curie. Jeremy, shows how well I know you. By the way, we just met a few minutes ago. Jeremy, we did. critical question here. You are on Signals from the Frontline, and we have to know, what is your favorite sugary breakfast cereal? Hmm, you can't think too uh, much. This has got to be an, an immediate knee-jerk reaction. You, you, don't try to say something bougie. Captain Crunch. All right, there we go. Right. That that is a, that uh, is a peanut reliable. butter, uh, Crunch Berries, or just regular. Yeah, plain. Got to go with the classics. Okay, okay, okay. good. I mean, I, I will tell you that answer was wrong. The peanut butter is by far the better than the classic, and the Oops All Berries is 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 pretty novel. See, but you know, pretty novel. <laughs> yeah, I'm not it's, allowed it's, to have the peanut butter one because my wife hates peanut butter. You could. I think there's room under your desk there behind you to stick a box and hide it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got enough empty hobby boxes. I'll find somewhere to stash it. There we go. It's perfect. Uh, Kieran, do you want to introduce yourself to maybe the viewers that aren't familiar with you? Yeah, sure. So for those that aren't aware, um, name is Jeremy, but I'd go by Curie because during lockdown and COVID and all that craziness, I spent an insane amount of time on TTS playing the game and becoming kind of like a rules guy slash judge. Um, for various online events, got to know a lot of people through some very random connections, ended up working with uh, the lovely guys that ended up forming Stat Check, which is a podcast slash 40k stats hub. Um, what I do for them, for the most part, is do a lot of data collection. So the end of every single weekend, you'll see me running around uh, online, reaching out to TOs, reaching out to BCP, whoever it is that I can grab data from because I'm mining everywhere to basically gather what's happened in the world of 40K in terms of big events, medium events, and even the smaller GTs. Uh, so I'm collecting factions, win rates, looking at lists to see what craziness people are running, uh, and then putting that all into a big database that we then 
uh, upload onto our website for people to peruse the results of. Jeremy, I think it's important that we tell people, guys, this guy's not getting paid to do the Lord's work, all right? If he reaches out to you, even if it's in the middle of the night, you should immediately help this gentleman out. I mean, this guy <laughs> is is hustling for the community. So so please, like, if, if, a, if a random stranger named Jeremy, a Curie, just says, hey, I, I need some information from you, be, be, be giving and helpful and, and responsive. Yep. And usually all I'm asking for is for you guys to upload your lists to either BCP or Tourney Keeper or and, wherever and, it is and you're running please, your event. Dear God, of. label the factions correctly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I won't start on that one. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll leave that one there. But um, one of the things that I wanted to uh, carry on tonight to really talk about specifically is uh, over at StatCheck, they have made their own ranking system. And we talk about the ITC ranking all the time, but their ranking system is a little different. Um, so I wanted to see kind of where some of the top players compared in the ITC ranking system versus their ranking system. But first, why don't you tell them a little bit about the CRS? Yes. So the CRS or the Curie ranking system, as it has been come to known uh, by people, uh, is uh, it's, it's effectively a weighted skill-based ranking system. So while the ITC is a great system, and I definitely make sure that all the events that I run are ITC ranked because everyone loves getting their ITC points. Uh, this one looks at head to head to how people fare when they play the best against the best, but also takes into consideration what faction they're playing. Because we all know that if, you know, say back a month ago, two Tyranid players were to run into each other, pretty even match. But if a Tyranid player were to run into a guard player, a Tyranid player is probably fairly favored to win, even if the guard player is more skilled, just based on yeah. strength of codex. Cool. And, and so, what? And when you say a skill-based system, is there kind of a, an easy comparison outside of the 40k world that people might be familiar with? Yeah, so uh, it's essentially an Elo system, very similar to like matchmaking in Leagues of Legend or Dota 2 or. I don't know. I'm sure that there are other games out there, but those are the two that immediately came to mind in terms okay. that have rank systems. Um, StarCraft II has it as well. But yeah, it's it's essentially a way of measuring skill based on probability of win. So right. the higher your skill compared to someone else, the more likely it is you are to win that match. And then depending on the outcome of the match, someone's allotted points based on that probability. Now, the twist here is I've effectively made each player a team with their faction. All right. So, for example, Jack Harpster takes Tau to a super major. At the time that he does that, he's Tau is very favored, and he is expected to, based on his skill and the strength of the faction, do very well. If he wins all of his games, he's going to be awarded a certain number of points. And then we say, take the example of uh, Brett Urbanowski, someone who not a lot of people know. He's not really high on the ITC rankings. He's in the top 100 last I checked. Um, mm -hmm. But he is someone who plays guard, and he has played nothing but guard for the entire ITC season. He shows up extremely high on the CRS rank because he wins games with a faction that is not expected to win. And he wins those games consistently, even against other good generals. All right. So that being said, now that we kind of understand the system, um, you you today were were we were talking and you were pulling some some rankings. What kind of interesting comparisons did you did you draw out of that? 
So you asked me about this, and I pulled the top 25 ITC ranks, but I want to talk about the top 10 because that's where things are the most interesting. So you guys have, you guys on this show regularly go through the the top 10 in the ITC for Mm -hmm. all of the various ranks. I was looking at just the ITC rank for pure, what would be considered player skill. And if you look at it, Jack Harpster's in the lead right now. If I I pulled it this morning, so I'm hoping that's still right. Um, (laughs) But for the CRS, he's sixth. And uh, it's one of these things where Jack, while he is a very talented player, has played largely meta factions this season. All right. Uh, cool. Can, can I ask who's in first? Just because I'm really curious on, uh, on your so, system. Yeah. So in first in my system is actually Thomas Ogden. Okay, cool. Um, so again, he's been playing Tau since they came out in February, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was early uh, this but year. He has also dropped I think one game all season. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Two? Oh, that's right. He, did, right he, lost, he lost his second one recently. Yeah. Um, at, uh, not the Michigan GT, but at uh, Chicago, was it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, but anyway, so he he is a remarkably consistent player. Seth, since you have it open, you can actually yep. list how many games this man has won. Yeah, for, he has 47 wins, two losses. Um, before... <laughs> Before we get too deep, uh, Chad is asking if they could see the data themselves. You guys can go to statcheck.com, stat-check, um, and then click on the CRS, and they have all of this up there on their website for you to look at and peruse. Um, Big uh, Papa asks, is there a way that he that anyone could help contribute with data collection or data entry, Gary? Oh, thank you. Dude, that's awesome. Hey, thank you, Big Papa. Yeah, if so, I have actually received uh, offers from people in the past. If people want to help out with me, reach out to me. You can uh, contact me through the StatCheck website. I read all the emails that come in through there. Um, you can also reach out to me on Discord. If if you already know me, you know my Discord handle. I'm not going to put it online, though, because uh, yeah. I will get inundated. But uh, yeah, uh, people are more than happy to help me out. The thing that takes the most amount of time for me is checking lists and checking factions, um, because one of the things that we really are committed to at StatCheck is making sure that uh, we look not only at like the top-level faction, but also at sub-factions. So like looking at how Leviathan Tyranids have been doing, taking a look how far Enclaves Tau have been doing. But to do that, we need to go through and we need to read every single list to make sure we're capturing that and where it can take a little bit extra time is things like drukari where they'll have three patrols of a covenant yeah. or, or a, you know a weekend like lvo where there's a single event that's like here's like 800 players or a thousand players yep the weekend of the london grand tournament i think i had 1300 lists to go through i spent the better part of sunday yeah. and, and saturday and going you don't do this through an automated process no, because, uh, and one of the challenges is, is that there are multiple ways of submitting lists. There's multiple ways of building lists and of writing detachments. So at the moment, there's no automated system for this that I have. Um, we are in talks with a few different people about how we can make that better. Uh, so if you are someone who's looking to donate some time or some know-how, please reach out to me. Because uh, one of the challenges that we have is we want to make sure we cover everything. Because as good as BCP is, it's not the only place that events are being hosted out of. We still have DUP being used down south, and we have places that are still using Tourney Keeper. I cover events in France that use Mini, Mini HQ. So it's all over the place. So it's just a matter of making sure that we can capture all of that. Jeremy, do we have the opportunity? I have, I have to ask, do we have the opportunity now to maybe tre- create a new cultural shift within the competitive you know, format with all the other TOs saying, hey, guys, maybe we should encourage or better yet, maybe we should penalize people that don't 
submit the right factions from the get-go. Like maybe I'm not saying we're going to do this right now, but I think that we should begin this process because it would make your life easier. And I, I know that like all the correspondents, guys like Seth and and mm-hmm. and and the entire FLGN guys, they want to know this data. So do you think that would be a, a cultural shift we should try to move towards? That would be lovely. Um, one of the that that would be absolutely lovely. I'm not saying it's ever going to happen, but one of the nice things Great. is that there are some events that do that right now. If I remember correctly, the Leicester GT, which is happening this weekend, does have a 10 point first battle round penalty, penalty for submitting an incorrect faction declaration. I was talking with Vic Vijay about this, and he was just like, "I'm playing Thousand Sons with Flamers. What do I mark my my faction as? Is it Zinch? Is it Chaos?" And I say, "Well, by my system, you're Chaos because." That is the that is the kind of like big faction keyword that's being yeah. shared. Like Zinch is amorphous. Yeah. In more ways than one. Yeah, I was like, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> All, right. All right. We we have tangented a bit. So we we wanted to compare uh different players uh across the two systems and see where there's kind of big disparities that might give us some insight to them. So what would you find, Curie? All right. So so Jack was number one, CRS yep. is sixth. Um, one of the things that I also do in my thing is I in my rankings, I show what their primary faction is. And this isn't necessarily like what they're currently playing, but it's mm-hmm. what they've played the most games with under their under this system. Cool. Now, like one thing to note, I only track GT or bigger games or bigger events, which by my count is 25 or more players at the start of round one and five or more rounds. RTTs are fun and all, but I find that in terms of getting quality games and also in key in terms of keeping myself sane with list checking, <laughs> I limit myself to those bigger events. Um, so like we talked about Tom being the top one. He's undefe- he's almost undefeated. He's 47 games and two losses. He's only played Tau. But when we look at Jack Harpster, he's still showing Tau as his primary faction because he played so many games with them mm-hmm. back then. And but yeah, I mean, most recently he took like orcs to the GW yeah. finals. Exactly. Uh, another, so another kind of standout from the, from this is uh, John Lennon, mm-hmm. uh, another Art of War player. He's third in the ITC right now, but he's 23rd in the CRS. And that's because he's played the majority. He's, he's won 40 games. He's lost five, which is a stellar record. Any player would be more than happy to have that kind of record, but mm-hmm. he's only played Tyranids. Yeah. Or at least, yeah. He has played primarily Tyranids in the system. Which, um, for the most of the season, been a very strong faction. Yeah, whether it was Leviathan Supplement, Crusher Stampede, or just Leviathan Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you I'll said someone highlight- like Brett Urbanowski, he's up there. He's at number nine in the oh, CRS. wow. Wow. He is. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and it's one of these things where, um, like, so he's nine. He is... 53 24 and one so 53 wins 24 losses and one draw but that is with pure guard an, a faction that to no one's surprise i will say has struggled a lot this year can we also they just are, you know yeah. applaud him for the amount of games he's played i mean that's that's a lot of games yeah, yeah. It is. well done dude. Is. And, and the thing is is that he not only has he played so much but he is consistent he is a consistent and i i don't mean this to disparage me anyway, he is a consistent x and one player he will usually drop one game at most events in the last few in the last few months, maybe two. Yeah, uh, and it comes from him knowing his faction inside and out, building lists, knowing exactly what to take, what not to take, um, and yeah, just that faction familiarity. So I'm really curious to see what he does with this new book. You know, I, I was thinking about it. Your, the system you've created is is really impressive because you're following the precedent set by far larger tournament scenes than 
40K. 40K is great. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But we're relatively tiny compared to something like League of Legends, right? So it's, it's it, you know, the precedent is out there uh, for this, I don't know, this ranking system that, that you're that you're uh, leaning towards. Uh, what is, does chess, chess use is something like this too, right? Just chess, well, I guess they don't really yeah, have fashion. Yeah, so chess, use, chess uses, yeah, there's no white or black. Yeah, there's, yeah. Leaning <laughs> so there's no, way, no but, but isn't there a difference <laughs> in win rate between white and black? Yeah, right. Yeah, there is, there is. A 48 or something like that. It is, a, it, it's, it's a small button. But, but, but they use difference. ELO, though, right? They yeah. use ELO. And in fact, yeah. the ELO system was originally created, if I remember correctly, for chess rankings. Cool. If it wasn't um, at least created for it, it was the thing that made it popular. Yeah. Correct. So this ranking system is is not, for lack of better words, new. But it's and it's really cool that StarCraft, you know, League of Legends, they're all using this system out there. So, yeah. so I, and, and I really using different like forms of matchmaking rankings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really impressive because you're absolutely right. We are in a game where... Some armies are just better than others, and it's probably going to always have some slight advantage or disadvantage to playing uh, a particular faction. So cool. Yeah. So f- feel free, folks, to to pull up the website yourself and peruse and and dig through it. There is a, a a tab for faction ranking, just to see kind of what they have ranked each faction in terms of strength on there. So you get an idea of of what that is. Uh, what do you off the top of your head, Kerry? I'm looking at it right now, so I'm cheating. Know what the strongest faction is. I'm pretty sure it's Harlequins because Harlequins have just been sitting up there since I created the They They are. Number one is indeed Harlequins. Yeah. Um, Though I will say chaos demons are skyrocketing right oh yeah and and you actually they actually track like the movement of the factions so um in terms of score uh chaos demons they're at a 1904 and harlequins are at a 1918 but chaos demons have gained 56 points in this latest update so they are they are closing the gap quickly um and there's and our tech priest is pulling up all kinds of infographics. There we go. They have a, another another man behind the stat check scene uh, that is purely on data visualization duty um, and creating all of this information uh, for you guys to consume. So I think this is a great yeah, resource. So I, it would I would be pained if I did not credit him. Cliff Thomas mm-hmm. uh, is the the genius behind our data visualization. Um, I collect the data. I filter through it and make it all clean for him to work with and the work that he does with this is shown on the screen right now but if anyone else wants to check it out just go to stat-check.com slash the dash meta uh, and you'll see this beautiful visualization that he's put together that shows uh, on the first tab the games one versus percentage win rate um, and then you can even break that down by sub faction so if you are a diehard novok necrons player and you love your melee necrons you can go and see how they've been doing and you can even look at what faction what matchups are good for you and bad for you yeah cool and uh speaking of matchups kiri you wear another hat i do what is that other hat uh which of the four the the one associated with Canada. <laughs> uh, so I am the uh, coach for the Canadian World Team Championship team for the 2022-2023 season. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, so, is that your jersey you're wearing right now? It looks like it is, in fact, my our jersey, although we have Go to change off. it because um, – we 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 want to be able to commercialize some of it, and there's an issue. No, yeah, IP over. infringement. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what? No, I can't believe that that would be copyrighted by anyone. Of course yeah, not. These, these are only done for the team, and if we want to do ones that we can sell, we got to come up with a new logo. So, if you have any ideas, reach out to me. <laughs> well, anyway, so I, I find that interesting because you've 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 mined all this data, um, and now your your job as a coach is to advise players. 
on matchups, on pairings, and you are literally the guy with all of that data at his yep. fingertips. Uh, so I was also the coach for the 2021-2022 season, and that was one of the reasons that I was chosen as the coach. Um, I put my name forward for it, and they, the captain, Chris Haynes, even pointed out that my data analysis skills were one of the main reasons that he wanted me because he likes that analytical approach. He tends to take a kind of by the gut feel approach mm-hmm. to to things to to matching people up, uh, and so he wanted to be able to say, okay, well, what does this matchup actually look like historically? Cool. And so cool. one of the things that we created internally was exactly that was a pairing matrix, like a, a comparison of Tau sisters all of the major factions that were brought to the world team championship and how they fared against each other. So when our players would predict, yeah, I'm going to beat this. You're just like, "Mm, but are you? That's genius, man. That's, that's really, you know, well, and if they're saying I'm going to beat, you know, I'm going to beat this and you're looking at it going, well, historically this is a bad matchup. So you better really tell me why. You better explain to me why you think you're going to beat this. Cause I'm going to put you into that because you're going to get us points. So you're saying you're Canada's special sauce. You're the secret ingredient there like giving you guys a little competitive edge at the WTC. You got to keep all that data like close to your chest, right? I mean, I'm sure other teams could try and collect the data as well. Yeah, other teams but, uh, can collect the data and other teams have, have even talked to me about the data. Um, I mean, yeah. StatCheck is an international thing. We have uh, Anthony Vanella who is uh, helping form Team USA this year. We have Ennis Wilson, who is the captain of Team Scotland. Uh, and then uh, we also have Nathan, who, has helped, who is the, the analyst and the guy who, is really, who really motivated me to do this in the first place. Uh, and he's helping coach Team Scotland this year in an unofficial slash official manner. So this is very much an international endeavor. And really, our goal at the end of the day is to bring up the competitive... Um, the competitive caliber that we encounter. All right. Well, um, if folks have more questions or want to learn more, where could they maybe hear more from you guys besides the website that you've plugged and I've plugged. And I think at some point, maybe tech pre sticky through in chat. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, you can check us out. We have a weekly podcast on Tuesday nights, um, 6 PM Eastern. And I'm not going to go through time zones because I suck at them. Uh, (laughs) 5 p.m. Central, I guess. But uh, I know it's the, 5 p.m. Central because that's when I watch it. That's exactly. Um, uh, Tuesday nights, you can go check us out at youtube.com slash stat check. Um, we've got the website, obviously, and a bunch of us are doing different things. Uh, if you really like the work that we can that we do, you can check us out on our face on our on our on our website. And we do have some links for how you can support us. Um, but yeah. Um, and then also for me, if you enjoyed the, if you enjoyed listening to me, if you enjoyed listening to the things that I have to say about all this, uh, I'm also a member of the can hammer podcast. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, now that we have, uh, Kira here and we've gone through a little bit of rankings, I feel like we're, we're just obligated at this point to actually go into the ITC recap. <laughs> Um, I feel like I just have to at this point. So um, begrudgingly, geez, no, feel free to stick around, bud. Valid. You're not going anywhere yet. And 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 Jeremy, please feel free to chime in uh, with any of your insight as Seth goes through our yeah. recap. Now, there, I will say that there have been some suggestions in chat for, for when you ask for a logo of me in flannel, 
splitting a log uh, like Paul Bunyan and Kicker as Babe the Blue Ox, um, <laughs> which is a really, really specific logo. And I don't think has much to do with Canada because wasn't Paul Bunyan in the U.S.? Yeah, that, that was like an old was. Paul Bunyan. That was a folklore thing, right? Yeah, I don't know. All right. Anyway, competitive track. Number one is still Jack Harpster. Number two, Vic VJ. Number three, John Lennon. Uh, despite that uh, 23rd placing on the CRS, he's holding tight at that number three spot on the ITC. Number four, David Gaylard. Number five, Thomas Ogden. Number six, Manny Chima. Number seven, Colin McDade. Number eight, Mike Porter. And I did confirm today, uh, I spoke to Mike uh, himself. Um, he is not planning to attend uh, the LVO, but he has a, 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 some work obligations he can't get out of. So, um, we, we probably won't be seeing him uh, take the top of the rankings. Uh, Maybe next year, Mike. Well, well. Um, Nassim Fuchain is number nine. And uh, some unknown guy that I don't think anyone here likes. Number 10 is Innes Wilson. No no one here around him, around here uh, likes him, right? Yeah, no one likes this guy. Yeah, it's definitely not one of his co-hosts. You know, co-hosts. <laughs> uh, Innes is also, amusingly enough, number 10 in the CRS. Oh wow! He's, he's it's rigged. It's rigged. Just, just to actually, say it the week that we launched the CRS, the, and it yeah. was number one in it, it and was, I was uh, like, "It's rigged." <laughs> I think Anthony was like fourth. It was very much that. Hmm. No, Wait I didn't do that. And then as they started driving in the rankings because they stopped going to events. No. Oh. Yep. All right, hobby track. Our number one, Matt Aaron. Number two, Andrew Gagneau. Number three, Jacob Thayer. Number four, Lou Rollins. Number five, Aaron Kelman. Number six, Dean Pritchards. Number seven, Eric Mullins. Number eight, Derek Page. Number nine, Kevin Grubbs. And number 10, Scott Boucher. I and think then, every single one of these guys will be at LVO. I'm pretty yes, sure. Yeah. Very, very much. I, for my at least my contacts with most of them, they will be there. So. Um, that should be a good, another good chance for a heap and pile of points to, to take that top spot. Uh, heading on over to the AOS competitive track. Uh, number one, Gavin Gregor. Number two, Anthony Trentinelli. Number three, Jeremy Vizier. Number four, Thomas Guan. Number five, Rajana. Number six, Matt Beasley. Number seven, Zach Kennedy. Number eight, Emma Mangles. Number nine, Matt Robisha. Number 10, Bill Souza, which I am convinced that Bill Souza just plays the Souza phone at the table. You can't tell me otherwise. Now, Kiri, I actually had, I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, is there a stat check for AOS? I mean, probably the closest thing for that would be the work that the Honest Wargamer does with their stats. Yeah. I was because like, their stats website is, I am in awe of it a lot of the time. It's not updated on a, I don't think it's updated on a weekly basis because there aren't nearly as many events for AOS as there are for 40K. But the depth they go into, and one of the really fantastic things about that for AOS is because of how lists are built, they can do unit statistics. Oh, cool. Um, so it's one of the things that I God, would love I don't to, be want to do think at some point. Doing that for 40K. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. Like uh, Val did the the breakdown of how many data slates there are in 40K, and it's something like over a thousand data sheets. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, Last time he counted, it was a lot. And it's probably then he stopped only gotten... counting, and he went and played fantasy. Yeah, but AOS has such a smaller number, and also the way that their lists are built, they're much easier to parse. Mm-hmm. So it means that they can actually be like, hey, this war scroll is taken in 10% of Ogre of that I, I can't think of I, I couldn't think of an AOS faction. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh Soul Blight Gravelords. There we go. 
There you go. There I got yeah, one. like this, that's War, War Scrolls taking 10% of Soulblight Grave Void lists. And that corresponds with a 60% win rate. That is something that I would love to do. And it's something that's actually been asked of me a few times before. It's just breaking down 40K lists between Battlescribe, paper lists. Uh, that the GW that is app. several people's full time job, is what you just described. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> that is That is not a simple process at all. I mean, Kicker could probably squeeze it into an afternoon, though, right? Well, yeah, right. Totally, totally. No problem. I'm, I'm not yeah. busy at all, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's head on over to the AOS hobby track. Our number one is Robert Snyder. Number two, Nick Garcia. Number three, Ricky Fisher. Number four, Jeremy Williams. Number five, Anthony Trentinelli. Number six, Matt Beasley. Number seven, Gabriel Pacheco. Number eight, Martin Orlando. Number nine, Evan Markham. And number 10, Gareth Thomas. And that is your ITC recap for the week. Chat, get your questions in for Curie if you have them. Um, You know, if you want to volunteer uh, slave labor for him, I'm sure he will take it. Uh, But Kicker, Curie, any any final thoughts on the evening while we're wrapping this one up? Uh, I think that we need to have this guy back on uh, again to kind of see where things work on after the LVO, right? And see, Mm -hmm. you know, where the rankings are both on the ITC versus the... uh, Now, now Kicker, I might have saved this one for on air to surprise you. Surprise away. Yeah. Yeah. I've been talking with Curie, and he's agreed to help us pull some player stats for uh, the top eight at LVO. Ooh, I love this. This would be amazing, man. Yes. So, so we can have like that literal stat, you know, sheet on the screen of yeah. like, here's this player's record across the season, all this kind of fun stuff, because this is the man with that level of Excel sheet knowledge. I mean, you need to go all the way. Like, like what's the most frequently used warlord trait this guy takes or some nonsense like oh that. god his mvp unit or some nonsense i don't know like let's see what's his favorite color of socks i have no idea let's just really kicker kevin quintero gave us an amazing idea all right let's hear it what do you say kevin we oh. need a cereal track like counting the people who pick which cereal to see which cereal mm-hmm. is the most popular by guests i mean why that, have we not no done brainer. this kevin it's a no-brainer we someone has to this. go back and listen to the last year and a half worth of episodes <laughs> Figure out what all the top, you know, influential people are in this community and what they eat. No, I, I think that there will have to be cereal uh, served for the top eight. I think I personally will bring eight some, bowls of cereal. In the morning, I'll be like, "Here's some cereal, boys. Eat up." <laughs> you guys stay, stayed. you know, you guys stay hydrated and well fueled for this yeah. uh, epic day of 40k. Um, all right, crushing a fool over on Twitch asks, uh, and I think this is a good question for both of you. By the way, crushing a fool is a great name. Just, just sharing that. Yeah. Uh, what's your opinions on guard coming up? Meta breaking lists coming in the next few weeks. Oof. Yeah, Jeremy, what do you think? It depends. I, I said this last night on uh, on Stat Check, but one of the biggest things is we don't know what the data slate is going to do to guard. Exactly. The the, the safest assumption would be to say play without any of the data slate. Yep. You don't get armor contempt on your vehicles. You take Artillery. the indirect penalty, all of that, um, because it's a brand new book. Test the waters with that. Until we get that full release and GW acknowledges it as being actually out and they update the data slate and all of that, it's too risky to do otherwise. And I understand that some events are ruling it both ways. Uh, and that's my fun right now is figuring out where I put those in my categories because... We like creating a new meta with each new book to say so when you go in and you go to the website, you can actually break it down and say, okay, this is demons forward. So you can see what the new, what kind of impact the new book has. Well, in this case, it's going to be guard data slate, guard, no data slate. Yeah. Seth, what's your hot take? What do you think? Um, my, my gut is kind of with Curie where I, 
I can't imagine them keeping the the data slide stuff because the data slide stuff was at least described to me when it came out as this is a stopgap for yep. this army. Um, so I would just be very surprised if they they undid a lot of, or they they kept a lot of that because if they intended for that to stay a thing in the guard codex, I'd assume they would have written it into it. Yeah, they would yeah. have written and into most of it they wrote type. in. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's like, yeah, exactly. Armor. You can make your vehicles armored with armored tracks and give them some of these benefits, kind of like armored of contempt. Yeah. Is, is that though? I mean, I don't know how, you know, much if you've played any of the guard yet, the, of the new guard yet. Uh, my feelings are they're not as overpowered out the, out the gate like Votan were, you know, like they seem. Hey, more to, hey, do you think they're more? To, hey, I mean, I think they're more. To, don't you besmirch my my <laughs> beloved Votan? I am a long long time Votan player, kicker. Hey, hey, Seth, what was yeah. the win rate of Votan this last weekend? Jeez, uh, it was like 54, 57. Okay. 67%. Oh, no, no, no. That's that was your win rate if you'd had all of the data slates. I watched your show. You said win rate of Votan as a whole. Win rate for the month of Votan is 59%. Win rate for the weekend was 67%. Dang, man. Looks they like are forked. Like they, it's also one of these things where people don't know how to play against them because it is a brand new book. They You've never seen a lot of this stuff yeah. before. So we'll but, see what the data holds over the next like two months. Do you guys think Guard without the data slate, without the data slate, is going to be an Admech or a Drukari or anything that we're just going to come in and just destroy the world? They're a really strong shooting faction. Um, that happens to also have a couple good melee units. The yeah. the new Adeline Rough Riders are really good. Bulgren are not terrible, and Lehman Russes are actually really good. Is scary. Yeah, yeah. Because because as a as a longtime Votan player, I don't have a means of mitigating mortal wounds in my codex, <laughs> so that scares me. The, I mean. The shooting, of course, is great. The Russes are amazing, you know. Um, well, well, we'll see, guys, right? We'll see. But we can all probably agree that artillery is kind of the weak. It's weak, right? The artillery is just not what it used to be. Provided you give them the indirect nerf, yes. Yeah. If you don't, they get really silly really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I, I mean, time and time again, we've seen indirect be either – Semi like useless to broken. Those like the two. It it doesn't really have <laughs> a middle. It's extremes. either it's either like oh my god, my entire army died and I didn't even step out of cover, or uh, nothing really happens and I move on. I mean, with my life. Yeah, everyone Seth, we all remember your buggies. Those orc buggies, man. Those squig buggies. We that, that that was a time. Why are you blaming me? Why are you blaming? It's me? all your fault, man. All your fault. <laughs> you ruined it for everyone. I was going to be nice and just mention Manny Chima's uh, LVO twenty twenty list. Oh jeez, God! I remember with the that. nine whirlwinds and three thunderfire oh. cannons with the chapter master. Man, don't bring that up. Don't don't bring that, that up. Was, that was a, that was a thing. Uh, Chad is also asking about the Votan FAQ today. Speaking of Votan, shoot, so, go for it. Take it away. So they 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 FAQ'd a few things that were kind of simple and made sense. Like you can't have more than one Uthar of the Destiny in your list, and you're like. Yes, because he's a named character. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then they were like, hey, th there was some question of if I shoot a beam weapon, uh, the the uh, conversion beamer um, at a target that is far away and I get extra hits and I have an intervening target, does the intervening target take the extra hits? And they clarified, yes, the intervening target does take the extra hits. But then Curie, they, they put one more little gem in there. What was that? They asked the question, can beams hit friendly units? And the answer is apparently yes. Despite in the beam rule, it's saying that it can only 
hit, you only roll to wound against things that were an eligible target when you selected the unit to start oh, shooting geez. with. And your own t- units are never eligible targets. Correct. You're never so eligible that, to shoot your own stuff. That race, the most fun, and I think this will make a jank at some point, is can you hit your own units in combat? <laughs> and the answer is right now, maybe? Because the rule on on being able to target units that are engaged in com and like in close quarters combat that you're not part of only says that you can't hit enemy units. So wow. uh, more FAQ to follow is what I <laughs> yes, yeah. stand by. I brought this up in the WTC chat and they immediately said, let's just wait for them to realize what they've done. Yeah, but it, it is an interesting ruling because. Uh, if you are screening your your big land fortresses and you don't want to get them, you know, tagged in combat, you know, you want to screen them. You do now have to kind of leave little gaps in your screen to shoot through. Otherwise, you beam your own units. Yep. So uh, it's it's easy enough to work around, but it just kind of puts a lot of weird things. Like Chad's pointing out, you can hit your own character, but they have ruled that the beam cannot hit an enemy character yeah. if the enemy character wasn't eligible, but you could hit your own dude standing in front of it. So it's all kinds of crazy. Whew. Awkward. All right. Awkward. Well, I think that is it for tonight. Uh, Kiri, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate having you. Uh, folks, go stack, check them out. Stat-check.com is where you can find all their information. You can reach out and volunteer your lovely time to help Kiri uh, curate all this data. Get it? Kiri, curate. I've been oh, waiting wow. to put that in the you show from you the start. You went there. Um, final thoughts for the night, gentlemen? Uh, guys, thank you again, uh, You know, Kiri, for coming on. And guys, Friday. Remember, Rocky Mountain Open. Friday. Tickets going live. Yeah. Do it. It will be a, an event tracked by Curie, I promise you. <laughs> it will be. I'm sure it'll have track. more than 25 people there. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Signals from the Frontline. Have a great week, and we will see you next Wednesday. Good night, guys. Cheers. <laughs>